Now, podcasting to Ottawa Senator fans around the world. Around the world. It's the Sins Nation Podcast. From praising Alfie to Brady Kachuk and everything in between. If it matters to Sins fans, we're talking about it right here. And now, here's Steve Warren. All right, welcome to our show coming up on this week's episode of the Sens Nation podcast. Sens go 2-1 and one this week, 6-2-1 and one since the trade deadline. They are, however, mathematically eliminated with that loss against Montreal on Saturday night. With the season winding down, people are starting to get a bit antsy about Brady Kachuk's contract extension. Mad Sogard goes 2-0 and in Belleville this weekend, further complicating the Sens' muddy goaltending picture it's actually a good problem to have because there's a lot of guys that are playing really well right now. That and a whole lot more coming up today here on the Sens Nation podcast. Thanks for being with us. We hope you enjoy the show. Time to bring on our co-host, the good coach, Greg Kennedy. How are things, Greg? Very good, Stephen. It's a lovely day here in Slave Lake. Yes. I never yes. know if you're being sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's part of the allure, I guess. Part of the mystique of Slave Lake. <laughs> yeah, it's about, uh, I think it got up to like maybe eight or nine today. Oh boy. Yeah, it's so. coming along. It's not been much better here. We had snow in the last few days. It's been very chilly. Um, yeah, so it's uh, not standard early May weather, but uh, we are heading to playoffs and that's uh, that's a cool thing. It's always hockey weather, so that's uh, not a bad thing, but Jumping sure. in. Well, I should find out how the uh, Slave Lake uh, Ice Dogs <laughs> did this week. That's uh, become a tradition unlike any yes. other. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. Uh, <laughs> we, we went uh, two and one this week. We are solidly entrenched in second place. We'll uh, most likely finish there in second place. And we've had a an adjustment to the schedule here. Okay. When we, uh, when we returned to play uh, back in April, the idea was that we would play regular season until the end of May. Right. And then two weeks of playoffs. But the, the changes come down from on high that we're going to wrap up the whole thing before June 1st. So four games left here for a regular season and then we'll play a at least the first round is a is a best of three and I have a feeling the final will probably be best of three too just so we can get everybody out of here and by the end of May we'll be done and I'll be on the road in, in the first week of June on my way back to Ottawa. Very good. Well, um, it's kind of funny when, when you talk about playoff plans and such, it was kind of weird to hear this week this wasn't in my headlines or even something I uh, had planned to talk about, but it brought to mind the fact that the American Hockey League has decided that uh, they're just going to shut down their playoffs in most of the divisions. And I guess whoever has the most points at the end of the regular season, congratulations, you're our <laughs> division champion. It's uh, very, uh, yeah, it's strange to have, like, what were we doing this for if not to uh, to head for a playoffs? Yeah, that was kind of the, I kept thinking, why, 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 why did everybody push so hard to make things happen? It seems strange that you've done all this and now you're not going to have anything at the end. It's kind of like what's going on with Major Junior across Canada. Once there was no Memorial Cup, uh, the dub out here just said, okay, we're going to finish up the schedule as is and then we're done. We're not even going to declare a champion either in the dub. I'm not sure what the plan is in the queue, but there's no O and the dub has no playoffs. So it's the same sort of thing, right? Yeah. No, no question. It's uh, uh, these are obviously exceptional times. So in, in normal times, you'd be going, "This is outrageous!" But you know, we're all used to having <laughs> to, you know, basically work on the fly, and uh, whatever happens, happens. So they're doing what's best for their league, and and onward and upward. But you know, you start to think about in the past, that would always be a great place for 
some of your key young guys to head. You know, the Ottawa Senators have, well, Jacob Bernard Docker might be a good option because he's not playing here. So it'd be yeah. to have a guy like that and maybe a few others go down and get that experience of potential success in a playoff run in the American Hockey League, but that's not to be. Yeah, it's a shame because it's it's the second year in a row for those guys in the American Hockey League, right? They didn't uh, they didn't get a run last year either. Yeah, that was unfortunate. But in better news, Greg, I'd like to announce a great new sponsor to the show that is partnered with us, Dunrobin Distilleries, Ottawa's very own premium distillery. And as we jump in today, allow me to pour you all a glass of Dunrobin's barrel aged fine whiskey to sip on during the show. Um, so let's get into the Sens as they wind up yet another season. It's obviously not going to be a playoff season. That loss to Montreal, blowing a 2-0 lead and falling 3-2 in overtime. That means the Sens, by giving up that extra point to Montreal, that means they're mathematically eliminated. Would you have like thought about maybe pulling the goalie? Yeah, okay. In a, in a tie game late when you need both points to stay in the playoff race. Yeah, I... <laughs> Whether they were mathematically eliminated or not, they were pretty much eliminated already, right? Yeah. I think the, the more the more exciting thing is, or the, the the bigger question is, how how early or how late do you think they would have been eliminated if they hadn't started two twelve and one? Like they're over five hundred since then, but they started the season two twelve and one for God's sake. Well, I mean, if if I told you, Greg, in what early February after that terrible start you just mentioned. If I told you that they wouldn't be mathematically eliminated until they have just five games left in the regular season, you probably would have thought I was out of my mind. Oh, yeah, exactly. I thought you were out of your mind when you told me they weren't going to finish in the basement. <laughs> Are you still sticking with that one or what? I might as well. Vancouver's going to have to have an awful, terrible finish, but I'll stick with it for now. But Well, uh, the yep. nice thing is though, but they've also climbed up. Like, like they could finish as high as... Uh, not exactly sure what the odds are now, but it was, they could have gotten as high as 24, but now that they've lost, I, I don't think they can get any higher than 25. And that's, that's pretty nice, isn't it? As, again, especially starting two twelve and one and their last three seasons of being 30th or 31st to come in at 25. That's, that's pretty good, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. It's got me uh, fairly confident, not just, making wild predictions like I was in that particular prediction at the start of the year that they won't finish last. Um, this one I feel really strongly about. I do believe they're going to make the playoffs next year, even wow. though we're moving back probably to the Atlantic division and you've got some real rugged opponents to deal with Toronto, Tampa, Boston. And then of course, whoever the crossover is from the Metro potentially, like there's a lot of good teams, uh, mm -hmm. but I still feel that strongly about where the Sens are going. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you, you're, you're better than Buffalo. You're better than Detroit. Uh, Detroit. Yeah. I was going to oh, yeah, say this Florida you have to deal with now too. Cause they're good yeah, again. Like they're good again. Well, again, uh, they're good. <laughs> um, <laughs> they went to the cup final, like in the nineties or something. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uli Krupp's overtime winner. That's right. Um, yeah. But that, the, Hey, the other cool thing about Florida is we might finally get for the first time ever a Florida Tampa playoff series this year. Oh, uh, I don't think I want that. <laughs> it, it is possible. <laughs> it certainly is. Yeah. But yeah, they're going to have a tough time making the playoffs next year too, Stevie. I don't, I don't know about that. Wow. Oh, oh, I'm not, I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but that's just how strongly yeah. I feel about where these guys are going. Even, you know, some of the young guys that we were all fired up about two months ago, that just, everybody's getting better so fast. And there's a real neat element with youth, right? Uh, you've seen it over and over as a coach 
with youth, you have that that level of energy that uh, that is irreplaceable. That hunger, you know, at a, when you're talking about pros, for example, guys that have been in the league for 10, 15 years, yeah, they're still very, very competitive at heart. But when the you know when the kids just start you know feeling their game, there's just no matching the level of hunger those guys have. Yeah, and they bring everybody else up. And and as we know, um, the senators have done a extensive work in fixing the dressing room and the culture and the attitude. And I would think that the, if there's anybody who's a who's a veteran lounging around, not impressed, not thinking we're going anywhere, and being a negative presence, I'm sure that all those guys are gone by now. Um, so it's it's the, the young kids are what's running the ship here. They they've won what seven out of their last ten. And again, as we say, they're over they're over 500 since that horrendous start. So hopefully it just continues right into next year. Some might suggest, okay, it's all about talent. And, and, and there's some truth to that. But the camaraderie level of this team seems to be off the charts to me. To see the way they mess around at practice, mm-hmm. like it's, it's, it's really neat to see. It's almost like Pierre Dorian has constructed this team not just like, you know, with with that level of camaraderie in mind and, and obviously cognizant of everything you talked about, seeing as things went sideways with Ubergate and with, uh, you know, <laughs> wives and spouses getting fired up at each other. Um, he, he knows the value of that, but it's almost like he's chosen guys who like have backgrounds, which like literally have a past together, who, who've been friends in the past. Um, that seems to be a big factor in this building process. And it really seems to be paying off because this team really seems to, well, love each other. Yeah. It, it, they have fun. So many of them have been together, as you just said, whether it's North Dakota or it's the U S development team or world juniors, U uh, S or U 18 U S um, that the, the potential risk in that is, yeah. Okay. Maybe they played together, but maybe they hated each other's guts. So they've been, they've been lucky in that sense. You've got guys here who have been, best friends for years, especially the the young Americans here. Um, and, and it only makes it better in the room. And again, it's, it's infectious. You know, a new guy comes in, it, it, you're accepting of him and he's just one more of the gang. And I, I, Hey, I, I wonder what it'll be like when you can actually go out to bars and restaurants again. I wonder how many stories we're going to hear about these guys. Oh, the, all the young guys were out at such and such or such and such last night. You know, the, I'm not saying they're going to be ubergating it, but they're going to be out and having a good time. And you're going to see these guys around town and you'll see how tight and friendly they all are. It's funny how ownership and the concerns about it take a full on backseat when the team starts to play well. When people are excited about the product on the ice, doesn't everything else just sort of fade into the background? Oh, exactly. You're right. I I, um, I was reading uh, our friend Ian Mendez put up a uh, a questionnaire for Sens fans that uh, on, on the Athletic, and it was weird. I was going through it, and then suddenly there was the inevitable question about Eugene Melnick, and I was like, "Who? What? I, I'd completely forgotten about him." Yeah. You know, like 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 it's just it's not important right now. It's uh, the game. The team on the ice is exciting. It's fun to watch. They're doing well. They're enjoying themselves. We're enjoying watching them. It's like, just like you said, like Eugene, who he's, he's not even around anymore. I think that we're fully past talking about ownership and Melnick out and all of those things. If the Brady Kachuk contract extension goes in a favorable, favorable way. And it feels like now with the season winding down, I'm seeing more media people writing and, and talking about the, the contract extension for this guy. 
I uh, hear fans on social media talking about it more because, it, I mean, he's basically in the final few days now of that entry-level contract. And for, well, since, I don't know what the free agency deadline, I normally want to say July 1st, but with COVID, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, think it was some, I think it was sometime in October that he could have signed an extension. Anyway, it's been a full season where he could have signed an extension, and he has not. People are wondering, is Eugene Melnick prepared to pay what Brady Kachuk will command and, and I see people going as high as $10 million a year for this guy. Crazy, huh? Yeah. Um, but that's the value and the love that this town has for Brady Kachuk. They they want him to be around long-term. They want him to be the next captain. So where are you at with Brady Kachuk? Well, all of what you just said about the the, the $10 million and and the love and all that, that's that's a bargaining chip. Like that's something in his in his pro column. When it comes to negotiating a contract, he could, uh, I think generally speaking, we think that anybody leaving Ottawa is going to get more money by going somewhere else. This may be the first guy in a while who could get more money by staying because of the value that he brings to the market, the the sort of position historically that the senators are in with not being able to close deals with guys. Uh, Brady Kachuk could almost ask for $10 million well, he he could ask for whatever he wants, but he could certainly ask for and may even get something close to that number because of everything that's gone on historically with free agents in this town before. Yeah. I mean, if he gets anywhere from eight to $10 million a year, um, I'm assuming it'll be in an eight-year scenario, then I think you can go ahead and put ownership discussion away. But if it comes in like at a four or five-year contract, I think the I will anyway, uh, and I'm sure much of the fan base will look at that as in, okay, uh, we're looking bridge here. We're looking (laughs) at a guy that really um, is feeling like he didn't get a fair shake. I mean, he's got to get what Thomas Shabbat got, right? Yes. Yeah, that's a given. Um, But let's not read – you can't read too much into what ends up getting signed because, again, it's going to come down to what Brady wants. And if Brady wants a bridge deal, then he's going to – he'll hold out and wait as long as he has to and negotiate hard to get himself a bridge deal. Um, it, it, it will speak volumes. If he signs that eight or nine year deal, then okay, we know that both sides are in agreement that, yeah, you're our guy and you're here for eight years. But if it's a bridge deal, it's not necessarily that the senators weren't willing to pay so much over eight years. It may just be that Brady Kachuk's camp said we only want a three or a four year deal. And what would you read into that? Would you read into that, okay, the guy does not want to be here long-term, he wants to go somewhere else, or do we read into it that maybe he's in a scenario where I feel like I'll be that much better a player in three to five years that I'll be able to really cash in? Yeah, that's uh, that would be my thought, that yes, he, is, he would sign a bridge deal because he wants to get big bucks, even bigger than what he's getting now. Because don't forget COVID, salary cap issues, revenue is not great or revenue is non-existent. So it it makes sense for the player. Like if we were talking about somebody else in another market, we'd be sitting here saying, well, of course, yeah, he should only really sign a, a two-year deal or a three-year deal, right? It makes sense. So if that's what Brady does, that's why he's doing it, because there's more money available down the road. All right, it is time now, Greg, for the very first edition of the Dunrobin Distillery's Player of the Week. And he is sends forward Josh Norris, the son of Canadian former NHL player Dwayne Norris. Norris spent much of his first 11 years growing up in Germany, where his dad played professionally. 
And so Josh speaks fluent German, which is handy since one of his roommates this year is German forward Tim Stutzler. Norris was one of the many pieces Ottawa acquired in the Eric Carlson trade, but not many Sens fans today would want to part with Norris, even one for one to get Carlson back. Centering one of the youngest number one lines in the NHL with Brady Kachuk and Drake Batherson, Norris is likely to be a Calder Trophy candidate for NHL Rookie of the Year and a good bet to suit up for Team USA at the World Hockey Championships. Former Michigan stars all the tools to be a star in the league for the next decade and beyond. And you've been a fan of this guy for well over a year, year Craig. Oh, I was on him the day they acquired him. I said he's the best player in the trade back then. Now, it's good. I didn't know he spoke German, though. Way to go, Stevie. Good, good research there. But, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's. Uh, I'm not sure I got him as the best guy in the deal just yet, but I sure like him a lot. Sorry, uh, I meant the best guy in the deal coming to Ottawa. Right. Yeah. Right. At the time, uh, he was the. He, to me, he was the key piece. Gotcha. Yeah, because Stutzler would be uh, just a draft pick at that stage. We didn't know <laughs> yeah. what he was going to be. We certainly didn't know San Jose was going to crater the way they did that upcoming season after the uh, the Carlson deal. But uh, yeah, I think he's going to be a really, really good player, and uh, seems like the sky's the limit for Josh Norris, our player of the weekend. Brought to you by Dunrobin Distilleries, just like craft beer years ago. The market for craft spirits is booming right now, and Dunrobin Distilleries is Ottawa's very own premium distillery focused on single malt whiskey, which we're enjoying right now, along with premium gin, vodka, rye, rum, and more, all made with the finest quality ingredients right here in Ottawa. DunrobinDistilleries.com. Where will your spirit take you? So there you go. First, Well uh, done, Steve. <laughs> Our first sponsor. Thank you, Dunrobin Distilleries. Indeed. Uh, moving right along. Yeah. Looks like uh, we've got yet another name to throw into the Sens <laughs> goaltending mix. It really is starting to look like an embarrassment of riches. Uh, nobody's proven just yet, with the exception of Matt Murray, who has a couple of Stanley Cup rings in his back pocket, but still kind of working his, ba- his way back to uh, where he once was. But it just seems like everybody they fire in the net looks pretty damn good. And here comes Mad Sogard. There's a guy they picked up a couple of years ago in the second round, traded up to get him in that second round, and uh, he made his pro debut this weekend, or at least his North American pro debut, going 2-0 and in Belleville, and he was the first star today here as we record this uh, in a win over Toronto, so it, it really does kind of further complicate the Sens goaltending picture, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, you said it. It's a, it's a wealth of riches, and uh, I can't it's going to be interesting to see now he he won't be factoring in on it but we've talked about this a few times now with the who's going to get protected who's going to be exposed come uh come the summer and the uh and the expansion draft for Seattle but not only that these are chips that can be used for trading let's not lose sight of that too if all these guys are developing and playing well be it a Gustafson or a Decord or now a Matt Sogard there's these are chips that can be used in trades so um, it, it it's going to be uh, interesting to watch down the stretch here and through the summer and over the course of the next couple of years when we get into the unparalleled success and the Senators are buyers at the trade deadline. And when you're a buyer, that means you're you're giving up some sort of a young prospect. So there's a lot of pieces and a lot of parts here. Every time they acquired a draft pick, that's that's another player that's either going to play for you or hopefully is a, is a future uh, uh, trade bait at some point. Yeah, it's certainly a case of uh, if they do lose a goalie, uh, I'm not really not going to lose a lot of sleep over it, to be honest, because 
there's lots of options here. And uh, I don't know that any of these goaltenders are necessarily what Ron Francis is looking for. Matt Murray, well, he the jury's still out. He has a, had, had a nice run. He's, he's showing to be injury prone this year, if, if you want to be honest about it. Um, and we're not sure exactly uh, if he's fully got his game back. He went on a nice run there before he got hurt, but he also had a terrible start to the year. Is he back? I'm not sure Ron Francis would be 100% confident about that based on the numbers that he's put up this year. And to pay him when, when he's not sure about the player, and there's lots of other goalies around the league too. The Sens have um, so many unproven young guys. I don't think I'd want to roll the bones on that either. So I'm not sure Seattle is even going to come calling for one of Ottawa's goalies. The one guy I'd probably, if I had to, and I've mentioned this in, in previous episodes, I just have a feeling, a gut instinct about uh, Philip Gustafson. But uh, honestly, if, even if they lost him, I wouldn't lose uh, much sleep over it at all. It's the nature of expansion drafts. You're going to lose somebody that's an asset. Uh, it's just about trying to mitigate that loss. Yeah, exactly. And and with the way the rules are, uh, who and what you can lose, depending on what forwards are available, maybe somebody does take a goaltender. You know, maybe it is somebody, maybe um, Seattle does take a goaltender because they perceive the goaltender as having a higher upside than whichever forward or whichever defenseman they're looking at. So that. It, it, you don't know the inner workings of of how Ron Francis is gonna is gonna be attacking things when he looks at each team's list of eligible players. Yeah, no question. It's uh, it's going to be interesting, but certainly Mad Sogard is another neat asset to have. Uh, boy, he's he's big in the net. Looks like he's really athletic in there. And uh, yeah, Belleville was pleased to see him roll in and go two and zero on the weekend. First star today, as mentioned. And uh, yeah, there's. Obviously, some pretty decent depth there as the Sens move forward into their rebuild. <laughs> but you just said it big. My God, he's another six foot seven guy. Yeah, right. Like, which one is it? Is it Nielsen who just who left this year with the concussion? Was he the one that was six seven, or is it Hogberg that's six seven? Um, like, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure either of them are that <laughs> tall, but I, I know Ben Bishop was in and around that height. Oh God, yeah. But he, he, one of one of the uh, Nielsen or Hogberg is is like that big too. It's crazy. Yeah, how big these darn goalies are nowadays. I was watching. And we're going to talk a little bit about this now uh, in that uh, our beloved uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, and I use the term beloved as sarcastically as you'd expect. <laughs> uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs won their last cup on this day as we record this back in 1967. Uh. And I was just, you know, looking at that. And it, I mean, it looked like it was filmed on the moon, black and white <laughs> and grainy and nobody wearing helmets. Their, their, their skulls were being protected by Brill Cream. Greg and uh, oh, Brill Cream is like an old school gel, hair gel, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Got to be. <laughs> a little dabble, do you? Anyway, the Leafs won their last cup on this date in 67, and the opposing goalie that night was Gump Worsley. And watching him lurching around in the net, looking like he's about five foot one, I don't know that <laughs> there's any. was. Yeah, and, and just in no mask and uh, just covering no net whatsoever, the small, smaller goalie equipment. Like, I got to thinking, Connor McDavid would score a thousand goals in 1967. Yeah. Well, so would, so would, uh, what, Jimmy Pappen got the winning goal that day? If you gave him Connor McDavid's stick and Connor McDavid's uh, workout regimen, uh, he would score that many goals in that time frame, too. <laughs> Jimmy Pappen. Everything has progressed. Yes, yes, Jimmy Pappen scored the winning goal for the Leafs that uh, the Stanley Cup winning goal that day. 
But I'm certain you're not comparing Jimmy Pappen to Connor <laughs> McDavid. No, I'm just trying. I'm, I'm just trying to say that that yes, today's player would do really well back then. But today's player has so much more going on than just the fact that the goalie sucked back then, right? Yeah. Like right. If, if the, the, the what's the old joke? Rocket Richard one day in the in the eighties or something, when Mike Bossy was hunting down his records and they were saying, look, he just scored 50 and 50 in the rocket. They said to the rocket, like how many goals do you think you could score today's NHL? And the rocket said, Oh, I probably still get 50. And the guy <laughs> said, really? And the rocket said, well, I am 65. <laughs> the advances in equipment and off ice training and, and physical fitness and diet and nutrition and all that stuff. Yeah. You're, you're a, a standard plugger in today's NHL yeah. would, would look like a stud back then. Well, to quote when the Hanson brothers uh, were all thinking, old-time hockey? Uh, We're all thinking about that right now because it looks like we're headed, inevitably, for a Toronto-Montreal first-round playoff series. And do you know how many times Toronto and Montreal, you know, the great rivalry that they are, have actually met since that 1967 Toronto Cup win over Montreal that day? Do you know how many many series they've had since then? I can remember one that was in the 70s because I remember I think Cam Connor scored an OT winner in that series for Montreal, and I'm willing to wager that that's the only time. There were two. There were back-to-backers. Uh, Montreal okay. swept Toronto two straight years. I think it was 78 and 79, yep. and uh, that is it. That is the only time they have met twice since uh, 1967. So it's going to be pretty neat. It oh, looks like cool. – uh, Almost certainly looks like that's going to happen, uh, barring anything unforeseen. And uh, so what do you think? Are you, are you fired up about something like that? Yeah, because unlike you, I don't hate the Leafs. I uh, I spent uh, my first uh, formative seven or eight, nine years in Toronto. I was a Leaf fan as a youngster. Sorry about that. Listeners. That's all right. That's all right. Um, but, uh, and of course, I went to school in Toronto when I originally started working in Toronto. So the Leafs were the team. So I lived in Toronto. You know, you watch the Leafs. So I still have a soft spot for them. And, and I'm sorry to say this, Steve, but I'd be okay if they won a cup. I think that would be pretty cool in our lifetime. Well, although it's happened in our lifetime, we don't remember it. But I think it would be pretty cool to see that happen. I don't think they're going to. But I guess the point of this is I hate the Montreal Canadiens. As much as you hate the Habs or the Leafs. I hate the Habs. Just going through my uh, going through my phone book here for possible co-host replacements. Here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I yeah. do. Re- I do resent your lack of hatred for the Leafs, but that's okay. Um, I'm actually the opposite. Um, I can I, I, Montreal. I mean that whole Montreal Ottawa rivalry when Hab fans, you know, sure. just spill into the Ottawa rink, the Canadian Tire Center. That's that bugs me. But I, I grew up a Hab fan, uh, so exactly. You you grew up in Ottawa, and they were, uh, for all intents and purposes, they were the home team. So you were a Hab fan. I I came from Toronto, where I was a Leaf fan. Came to Ottawa, and suddenly I couldn't watch the Leafs anymore. I kept getting Dicker and a Danny Gallivan and the Habs every night, and I hated them because I couldn't see my Leafs anymore. So, and I I still hate them to this day. Yeah, I mean until uh, until you started. Get, I mean Vancouver. I don't know. Until uh, until we got into the 80s, the Vancouver Canucks were just, a, I don't know, they might as well have been an expansion team for 10 years. I, just, I, I had no thought about them whatsoever. So yeah. really, it was basically, you know, Toronto, Montreal, and, you know, 95% of hockey fans, uh, you know, prior to the Ottawa Senators arriving would probably be one or the other. One or the other, exactly. So 
uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's uh, besides, I think Montreal Boston would be the one playoff series. I like maybe more, but who knows, Scott, it's been over 40 years since we saw a Toronto Montreal first round series or any kind of playoff series. So I am yep. looking forward to that. Uh, if there's going to be a series that does not involve the Sens that I'd like to see, that would be right near the top for sure. Yeah, and and, and Montreal Boston doesn't have the same pull that it that it had. Uh, maybe I'm showing my age, but the you know the '70s and '80s, the '70s battles of Montreal and Boston with with Don Cherry there in the '80s when it was Adams Division series Montreal Boston, it had that pull. Uh, but I. I does it anymore? Like Toronto, Boston, Boston, Toronto is a bigger thing now than yeah. Boston, Montreal. I think. Oh yeah, yeah. Down four one in the third in Game Seven. <laughs> Beautiful. Oh, it's just a shame. <laughs> just a shame. But it does bring up an interesting topic. It's a season like we've never seen before. We're down to the dying days. And my prediction at the start was I was so pumped about this North Division, all Canadian. I was thinking, and and not just that it's all Canadian, but it, playing each other as frequently as they did nine and 10 times every single opponent and nobody from outside the division that was going to lead to such animosity and ferocity of play it would be it's going to be unbelievable I was dead wrong at least in my opinion of the season I just watched I don't think it was any more ferocious than any other season in fact I was finding it a bit tedious seeing Calgary and Vancouver keep coming to town or the Sens taking them on. Uh, so, I don't know. What did you think of the season that was? Did you think it added anything in terms of the rivalries that exist? No, I don't think it did at all. And I'm out here in Edmonton. like They're, sorry, north of Edmonton. Um, Edmonton, Calgary, like the Battle of Alberta, meh, nothing really came of that. Um, you know, the, maybe we're going to get Toronto, Montreal. It might be something in the playoffs, but no. I think that the the lack of ferocity uh, is is due to the schedule, that this condensed schedule. Yeah, like if they were playing only each other in a regular season with the games a little more spread out, then yeah, it might carry a little more and things would build. But in this case, it seemed like with the baseball style, play three games in five nights or four nights sometimes, and the fact that it's so condensed, teams are tired. Uh, it just didn't it didn't materialize the way that maybe we were hoping it would. Yeah, I think the one thing that I was in favor of was the, just the concept of not having to keep your eye on as many teams. I am more ignorant oh, yeah. of all the other divisions than I've ever been in my entire life. <laughs> I was like going to say the same thing. Like there's there's guys being considered for Norris trophies. I'm like, what? Oh, what? I mean, before I, I'm aware of the player, but I have no, I have no idea how he got himself into a Norris Trophy candidacy. Just, just as an example, my dad always used to say that about the original six, and and watching the evolution of it, going from original six through most of his formative years, and then you know the expansion years in '67 and onward. He said it was exhausting. He stopped being as big a fan just because he was exhausted <laughs> trying to keep up with it all. Whereas when he was a kid. Yeah, well, he had a, he had his own team and right. uh, only five others to follow, and so to that point, that's how this this season felt. I felt ignorant about other divisions, but at the same time, I felt like it was a nice casual season because I got to know everybody really quickly, and uh, that made covering the league quite easy. <laughs> well, yeah, like did you know the Carolina might win their division? Yeah, yeah, you did know that. I knew they were really good, but I didn't. Uh, I'm not paying attention. Yeah, apparently, the Minnesota Wild are pretty good too. Like, where'd that come from? 
<laughs> the Minnesota Wild are good. Yeah, Minnesota Wild are are like they're they're six eighty winning percentage, Steve. They're in like third place in that division in the West. If it wasn't for Colorado and Vegas, like they're in the same division with Vegas and Colorado, and they got a six eighty winning percentage. I'm gonna need your source on that. <laughs> NHL.com. I'm looking at it right now. They're 32, 14, and four. Like, who would have thought? No, I'm, I'm only kidding. I just, uh, it's just so out <laughs> no, there. Because no, if you weird. go back to this time last year at the end of the regular season, yeah, Minnesota will be right in the hunt next year. Of course they will. Uh, <laughs> please, yeah, right. please. But of course, Carolina is, is like just behind Vegas for first overall, for God's sake. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. That we need Carolina to win that division, by the way, so that we can get Florida Tampa in the first round. We want that battle of Florida. Come on, baby. No, no, just stop. <laughs> no. All right, fair enough. You, why fair do you enough. want a battle of Florida? <laughs> just because it's never happened. All right. Here's All another right. one. You know what else has never happened? Here's one for you, Steve. Do you know how many times in the NHL the leading point getter had less points than the leading penalty minute? No, more points than the leading penalty minute guy. Sorry, give me. I'm not trying to understand. Yeah, give on, me that again. <laughs> let, me get, let me get it straight here. Uh, in it, it's points, the guy who has the most points and the guy who has the most pims. Okay, the pim leader has always had more than the point leader. If okay, I think okay. so. Okay, yeah. Okay, so this year, uh, Ty's little boy, Max, is at uh, he's at 71 pims right now. And McDavid is now, didn't he just get another three? He's at like 87. Wait, you're yeah, telling me the leader in penalty minutes only has 71? Correct. So for the, first time in, for the first time in NHL history, the leading scorer will have more points than the most penalized player has PIMS. It's never happened. I, I wouldn't but, have thought that was possible, to be honest. Yeah, here, here's your closest. If we got we got time, don't we? Sure. In 1944-45, Elmer Locke had 80 points, and the Pim guy had 86. So almost hmm. happened. There was uh, the very next year 73 Pims, but the leading scorer could only manage 61. And in 52-53, with the Rocket and Gordy, they were. The Rocket led in PIMS with 112, and Gordy only had 95 points. Even last year, Dreisaitl 110, Evander Kane 122 PIMS. So this year, it, it's it's probably going to happen. That's 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 incredible. Uh, and Brady Kachuk is fourth in penalty minutes in the league. How about that? Yeah, and he's yeah. and what's he got? You know, like the it's nowhere near the the days of our youth when guys would get over four hundred. The leader would be high three hundreds, right? Yeah, now, uh, I was I was in I was always in these. Uh, Same here. Previous to Pim these four. fantasy leagues, yeah, yeah, I, and we'd always have like you know we'd have you'd pick a guy, he'd be your goal guy. You'd pick a guy, he'd be your assist guy. That's how they kind. Of, it's kind of this reverse fantasy league, and I'd pick a guy for penalty minutes. And yeah. literally everybody in like we'd have a twelve man league, and literally all dozen would have at least one. You know, unless there was an injury, they'd have a guy that would get three hundred or more, and then the winner of the of the category yeah. would be up over four hundred, like you said. Yeah, yeah. No, we used to do a separate pool unto itself. We do one for points, and then we do one just for pims. Nice, nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but that's it. It has never, ever happened where the, the, the leading penalty minute guy has always had more penalty minutes than the leading scorer has points. But this year, for the first time, McDavid's points will probably end up ahead of Domi's Pims. 
crazy. Unheard of. Yeah. So uh, last thought on that Brady Kachuk thing. Um, yeah. So he's fourth in penalty minutes. And you start thinking about contract extensions. Uh, fourth in penalty minutes. First in fights. Second in hits. Second in shots. Leads his team in scoring. There's some value there. There's some value there. Does he get some all-star votes? I don't think he has the points for it. 34 <laughs> yeah. points is not really there. Not really there. Your but leading score, 34 points. Season. That That's yep. not, that's not, uh, I mean, it, they're all on their way. They're young. <laughs> it's going to get better uh, from a points production standpoint. I don't know. What, where do you, I think we've asked, I've asked you about this before. Brady Kachek, he taps out at how, he tops out at how many points in his prime? Yeah, like 65, 70 tops. Right. right. Doesn't he? I think he's he you 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 think thirty to thirty five goals. I think twenty five to thirty goals. I don't know that he ever gets over thirty. Uh, again, he doesn't have to, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Um, but I'm thinking twenty five to thirty goals a year, and he could probably pile on forty to forty five assists. I think he's probably a sixty sixty five. Can he get to seventy points? I don't know. Uh, earlier in the conversation, we threw around. I could get ten million. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that you can pay someone. $10 million a year for eight years if you can't get to 70 points. Why not? I mean, that's superstar, though. It's, yeah, but there's so much more that he brings. For sure. He does. Right? It's a tough one. Uh, he's a, uh, it's not like there's, uh, there's that old adage, right? When they made that guy, they broke the mold. There's not <laughs> many guys like Brady Kachuk. And, uh, and he's got it. We just talked about all the tangible stuff, but so many intangibles as well. The way, he, you know, the way he is with his teammates the way they defer to him and he's 20 or 21, whatever he is like, and the way he, I mean, just what represents the team so well on top of everything else. Oh, uh, yeah. He's everything leading, you want. Yeah. Leads by example. Like yeah, I could just make a list that goes on forever uh, to close it out today. Greg wanted yes. to talk about great moments at the end of regular seasons, which is uh, what we're, I mean, we're down to the final uh, couple of weeks here. I don't know. I, although I shouldn't say that. I have no idea when Vancouver is going to finally end. They might be playing till July while the rest of the season's <laughs> over. I don't know. Uh, but uh, there have been some really neat moments at the end of Ottawa Senator seasons, regular seasons. Of course, there have been really? great playoff moments too, but there's been some really neat regular season moments. Do you have any that pop to mind? <laughs> I was just thinking, I sincerely hope Stevie has a list because other than the Hamburglar run, like. <laughs> I, I don't know what am I what what kind of things are out there that I could that I'm not remembering. Well, certainly the Hamburglar run would be uh, right there at the top of the list. I remember Mark Stone at a big goal. I think it was against Boston that was uh, that helped launch them into the playoffs. Uh, I I think probably my favorite though would be the classic Steve Duchesne Steve goal Duchesne. that got them into the playoffs for the very first time. Uh, I still yes. remember vividly where I was when that happened. I was in my first house, little townhouse watching the game with a buddy of mine and just going berserk. It's like, oh, my God. Not only do the Ottawa Senators exist, but now they're going to the playoffs too? Good Lord. And what a play that was by Alexi Yashin, little loop-de-doo over to Steve Duchesne, shot along the ice to beat Dominic Hasek. I would probably classify that as my favorite end of regular season moment. And uh, really, that's the end of my list. That's all. I, I, I also remember that vividly, <laughs> the Steve Duchesne. Now, help me out. What was the the Kravchuk goal? The Kravchuk goal was actually to help them win their first playoff series. Ah, okay, that was a series. Okay, yeah, and that was amazing because uh, Ottawa was the eighth seed and New Jersey was number one, and that was Ottawa's first playoff series win, and it would be Kravchuk into an empty net. 
to put that thing away. And uh, by the way, credit to a friend of the show, Sean Van Allen, for dishing off on that. He could yes. have been the hero. Yeah. Okay. Now you 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 did uh, word this as a favorite end of season Ottawa Senator moments, right? Okay, because I've got lots of end of season Senator moments that aren't my favorites, <laughs> right? But they were they're they're more playoff end of season moments, right? Right. Right. Yeah. The, the, unless you win the cup, they, so everybody's got one every year. Unless you win the cup. Oh, but who was it that danced around Alfie? I want to oh. say Jason Pominville. It was. Oh, yeah, the, the, the Jeff Friesen and the the two uh, first period Joe Newendike goals and the, uh, yeah, yeah. There's lots of, there's lots of sad end of season moments. Oh yeah. But I was hoping to leave the show on a high on a today. So you know, right, sorry, let's go back to Duchesne again. Yeah. Go back to Duchesne <laughs> and, and Shribes with his call. Do, 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 do. Shane. Yeah, that was a classic moment for sure. And uh, unfortunately, that one didn't end very well either. Ron Tugnut, I think, was it a, was it a hole in his glove? Is that the glove one? That's a broken, broken glove. Derek Plant. Yep. Yeah. Clapper. Blazing down in the right wing. Oh, geez. see, now you went back to the negative again, Steve. Oh, I didn't mean to. All right, let's leave it on a positive. And what's more positive than connecting with you, the good listener? We invite your feedback as always. You guys are part of Sens Nation. We want to know what you think and what you want out of the show. Please email us anytime. Connect with us. Sens Nation Podcast at Outlook.com. You can also tweet at us. Uh, I'm at, at TSN Steve. Greg is at Coach Neg. We've got our Sens Nation Facebook group as well. You can help build the show by sharing, subscribing, and leaving a nice review on your podcast player or becoming a Patreon member like Adam Newton and Scott Costin have. Thank you, gentlemen. Really appreciate that. Uh, again, check out our website. We've got some great Sens articles there from our great Sens writing team. It is SensNationHockey.com. So without further ado, thank you for being with us. And Greg, we'll talk to you in our next episode. Thanks, Steve. Have a good night.